1: What's a funnier or odd story from working in the industry? Do you want to do the big reveal or what do you have oh, for it? Yeah, all right. So I'm <laughs> going to tell you a
0: story I've never told in, in public, all right?
1: Welcome to Game Dev Advice, the Game Developers Podcast, your place for resources and in depth conversations with other game development professionals. I'm your host, John J.P. Podlasic. I've worked at 10 different game companies starting back in 1989 with the TurboGrafx-16. Over the decades, I've developed games like Mortal Kombat, Avengers Initiative, Beavis and Butthead, and numerous others. I now work for a startup called Level X. But this podcast isn't about me. It's about you and the game development community. So if you have questions or ideas, give a call, 224-484-7733, or go to the gamedevadvice.com. Website, so let's kick things off with the new game dev advice. This episode is with a longtime friend, Yuri Hornman. Originally from the Netherlands, Yuri has made games in Germany, France, Austria, and now Canada. He got started in 1991 as a programmer before becoming a game designer, producer, and now senior gameplay programmer again. Plus, has worked at Ubisoft, Rockstar Games, Blue Byte Software and many other studios. I think you'll enjoy this. Plus a shout out to Scarlet Genesis Studios, who have been helping as a Patreon member. They're developing Robo, the all-electric adventurer, a 3D action puzzle platformer where you play as a small toy robot who inherited the soul of his owner, Robin. Follow them on Twitter, add your Steam wishlist, and join the Discord to be part of their community. Check out the show notes for more details. Hey, Yuri. How are you doing tonight? Uh, good.
0: Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for having me on the podcast.
1: It's been a long time since we've talked. Um, so where are you calling in from?
0: Uh, well, I, I live in Toronto these days. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I uh, work as a uh, senior gameplay engineer at a company called Possibility Space. Hmm. They're a fully remote company, um, mostly in the U.S., but uh, a lot of us are also in Canada and other countries.
1: Right. And uh, yeah. So we've known each other damn since like the the late 90s but um yes how did you get started in the game industry because we met at Blue Byte and I, I don't know your history before then so kind of tell me about that
0: I'm originally from the Netherlands um mm-hmm. as a teenager you know I had a, a Sinclair ZX Spectrum which was a, a British 8-bit computer uh that you could you know had a basic on it right you could yeah. make you know start building your own stuff and You know, I like playing games and I wanted to make my own games and I got into assembly programming there and then I I got an Atari ST, you know, 16-bit computer. And then I got into um, what's called um, the, the demo scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, I, I don't know to which degree. I, like, I, I never know when I talk to people uh, how much I have to explain it. Because right? if <laughs> right. you don't know what it is, it's really weird. Right. Uh, but if you do it, and, you know, it's... it's uh, and when was, it actually was, when was this? When
1: what, was what this? This
0: was all like uh, in eighty still. So okay. like, uh, I think I started with that in like 87. Before that, I'd, I'd done some programming, but it was sort of more like, you know, unfocused. And then mm-hmm. in 87, I discovered um, the Atari ST demo scene. And, you know, basically it was about getting your name up on the screen to move you know it has a technically an impressive way as possible right Mm. so so it's it's not about making games per se but it's about you know making the machine do things that it hasn't done before Uh or and then sort of basically like a demo going off to other people yeah Yeah. you know sharing it through disk networks and parties demo parties Mm -hmm. and trying to impress each other Mm -hmm. and so you know i started um Getting into that, and then there in uh, in 1990 in the Netherlands there was a um, a demo party, right? So where a lot of people from uh, from the Netherlands, but also all over Europe, mm-hmm. kind of all come together and drink too much cola, uh, mm-hmm. you know,
1: and, and bring um, floppy disks, right? Is that bring right? floppy disks, yeah. bring
0: us Atari sts and you know make make demos, right? Uh-huh. There was a company at the time called Falion that had been founded by sort of the best. You know, demo programmers for the Atari, or you know, Mm. some of the best people like who done things that were just like, you know, amazing. Like you know, know, just drawing more pixels on the screen that actually fit on the screen, and just doing really crazy, crazy stuff. And you know, they founded a a games company Mm -hmm. and started making games. And because they were demo coders, they were at this you know this party, and they had you know put up a little sign saying like, hey, Mm -hmm. you know, we're looking, we're looking for a programmer, and and at that point, I had dropped out of college. Uh, I started studying computer science, but mm-hmm. it, it wasn't for me <laughs> for various reasons. Yeah. And I dropped out. And I was like, no, I'm going to make games. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, even though there was no, mo- there was no games industry in the Netherlands and there was no office model for me. You know, <laughs> I, I didn't really have a clue what to do. Right. But I was like, no, I'm going to make games. Right.
1: right. You know, you had your North Star. I, so you're like, all right, I, yeah, I'm not sure I'm, exactly. this is going to so, work, but I'm going to do this.
0: You know, like, and also, you know, I was 19 and. Know, didn't know much. Um, mm-hmm. and so I'm 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 at this demo party looking at this ad and going, oh, yeah, or, you know, do I want to work for the man and you know be part of a big corporate? You know, it's like a tiny company dream, right? You know, and then a friend of mine, you know, goes like Yuri, aren't you technically unemployed? I'm like, mm, uh, maybe I am technically <laughs> unemployed. So I'm like, okay, fine, you know. So uh so yeah, so I talked to um, so I you know take this add and go up to the, the room where these guys were sitting and i talked yeah. to uh, eric, eric simon who, who you oh know, yeah eric, right. yeah and um and there, there actually is video footage of me showing him my source code and my the demos really because I, I brought my my st and my hard drive. yeah somewhere there's a there's a video of this event mm-hmm. and somewhere in the background
1: interwebs somewhere
0: sort of pointing yeah <laughs> showed him my demos and i was not a I was not one of the best demo coders, you know, on the Atari ST. I was decent, right? Yeah. Uh, You know, but it was like enough and I was able to sort of explain like what I was doing and what I'd done and Mm -hmm. that, you know, was decent enough. And also, as Eric will happily tell you, you know, he asked, oh, by the way, what kind of music do you listen to? And I said like, well, I like Yes and Led Zeppelin. He's like, you're 19. You're like, Yes and Led Zeppelin. All right, you're hired. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know it's cultural fits, right? right, right. <laughs> you know, right. And, uh, I've never dad, ask him how serious
2: that was, <laughs> <Right>.
0: <laughs> but you know, like, but you know, I, I, I was able to program, right? Yeah, but you know, I'd never written like a really big program or you know, shipped anything, right? So, Ooh, right. like, you know, um, yeah. That was like, working there, just, yeah. Well, that was just before Christmas, 1990, and then on January 6 or something, I to train to Germany for my official interview. Yeah. You know, I met some people, uh, they showed me a contract in German. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I signed it. Um,
2: okay. <laughs> and
0: you know, why not? And then on yeah. January 14th, I, I moved there. Right. Ah. And, uh, and actually I, uh, in, in the beginning, like the first couple of weeks, uh, because they had two offices, I actually slept in the office mm. and, uh, started working as the main programmer on a, uh, role-playing game. Mm-hmm. Designed by a guy called Kasten Kuper, and it was sort of a unique thing where you know he. So one of the things that that I didn't realize at the time, but that was sort of interesting, is like he had played the sort of Western CRPGs, like he knew Ultima really well, he knew Wizardry and all that. Okay, but he, he had also played uh, Japanese RPGs, which at the time was still a bit you know like niche.
2: Right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and he had written 1990, uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And he'd written two RPGs on his own and then, you know, joined uh, Talion to, to, to do bigger games. And mm-hmm. the way he approached it is that he uh, he was not like a super experienced programmer, but you know, he could program. Yeah. And he had written a a tool set in BASIC to edit data for a sort of generic role-playing system. So the idea was that, you know you, can, you know, you can make a fantasy game and then you make a science fiction game, this and that, right. right? And it would spit out these files and then there was sort of a specification like, oh, this is what these files mean, right? Yeah. And all I had to do was sort of write a program that would take these files and take graphics and then make it all sort of work, right?
2: Okay.
0: And so it was a very, very very data-driven. Um, right. So I was in-house doing the programming. There was another team in Hamburg doing the programming for the PC version in parallel I think we only met twice. Mm, like, and, right. and it was like almost extremely, like it was like completely separate. They were doing the PC version. And because it was all based on the same data, right. uh, it just worked, right? And, and I'm guessing that Carson would like put the data on floppy disk and mail it to Hamburg. You know, right. yeah. and it sort of, you know, it ended up like being the same game. Huh. So uh, really interesting way of working. Um, yeah. And it was uh, very educational, way, right? is just to go like, no, we're not making... Like, th- there was basically no hard coding because everything was controlled by this, these data structures, right? It was all mm-hmm. data-driven, mm-hmm. which is something that, you know, with the normal way of, if you go into game development, especially as a programmer, that might not be the way you work. So I, I had to start data-driven and then go to uh, hard coding. Mm-hmm. And most people have to go the, the other way, right? Yeah. 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 So I I, um, I made that game, learned a lot it uh it shipped with some bugs and then i had to fix those bugs and i had to actually talk to actual customers on the actual phone (laughs) who would call the office it was like a tiny company right Right. and so and i had to go like yeah i know i know what caused that bug and no you're a safe game no i'm sorry and i know it's like an you know whatever i spent 18 hours on that game yeah no yeah yeah no it was uh That was uh, painful and educational. Right.
1: So there's a phone Um, number in the manual. Yeah, people just call up
0: and (laughs) yell at people. Uh. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And, you talk straight to the programmer. Um, (laughs) The good old days. Good old days. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So then the second game, you know, um, illegal copying was already becoming, was already a problem. Mm -hmm. And for reasons, I don't know if it was because the platform was more powerful or because of the market, but we, the main platform for the second game, so the sequel, Amber Moon, The first one was called Amber Star, and we made Amber Moon. Uh, That was done on the uh, Commodore Amiga, Ah. so I had to learn how to program for that.
1: Yeah, Uh, which is advanced for the time, and the Amiga could do stuff like a IBM PC couldn't do. It was pretty.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, We Valiant did do games that were pushing the envelope of the uh, the Amiga. Like there was a game we did called um, Lionheart, which is a jump and run, and like. Just like every few lines, all the colors would change. There were more sprites on screen that it could theoretically handle. Like, you know, there were layers. Yeah, yeah. Every level was like, had some different graphical trick, right? Mm -hmm. Amber Moon was not like that. So, you know, it was a a big role-playing game and that just wasn't the focus of the game. So, uh, you know, we had more colors. That was mostly it. And, oh, well, the other thing we had, which was um, we had real-time texture-mapped dungeons. Uh, Which was, we were not the first to market with that. But I do remember that in January 1991, when I visited the office, I saw a real-time texture map cube on an Atari ST, and that sort of blew my mind because, you know, Mm. I had a pretty good feel knowing the demo scene, what was possible and what wasn't possible. And that was definitely not possible, right? Yeah. Like nobody had ever done that before. They had done it in like, you know, 1990, 1990, 1991. And then the problem was like, they had to make the decision like either, well, we drop everything and make a game based around this technology, or we just keep making the games that we were currently making, and then integrate it, you know, whenever it makes sense. Uh-huh. And so, when it made sense was like late '93 when uh, Amber Moon came out, mm-hmm. and by then, there's some other company had also shipped uh, something, you know. And, yeah. and, and this was all before, not before Wolfenstein, but definitely before Doom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was actually based on a different kind of tech than Doom. So okay,
2: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So we made Amber Moon for the Amiga. Um, and then the company more or less shut down. The, the German office shut down. The UK office went on a little little longer. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about Amber Moon is that there there are some hardcore fans of that game mm-hmm. uh, that still that are you know still hardcore fans of that game. And one guy in particular kind of always wanted to try and do a remake. You know, sort of do a modern version you could play on PC. Right. I wrote a blog post a couple of years back explaining this sort of how you know this data-driven approach. Mm-hmm. And then that sort of made something click for him, apparently, he told me, like, recently. And that allowed him to uh, rewrite the entire game in C-sharp. Mm. Uh, and so uh, he has made a version that you could sort of download and play today on any PC. Mm. And he is also pretty much reverse engineer the entire original version and then <laughs> he, he patches it so he he makes new versions of the game like he's extending the game and he's making wow. new versions you can play in an amiga again you know and it's like huh. uh and you know and, and he, he has a discord server that i'm on and and it's That's it's cool. very uh it, it, well it's very weird because like there's no story about the game that i can tell that he you know he, he's like no i know you know like <laughs> in right. this one island this is one place where you could do this one thing and i'm like okay you know i forgot that island exists you know (laughs) right i sort of vaguely like the problem is i don't have the source code anymore he has figured things out that i have like long forgotten it's it's very impressive and it's very you know gratifying to have people who who like you know something you worked on a long time ago and still like it so much that they
1: you know they put so much so much effort to yeah no i i just looked it up because it was like yeah 90 93 and Mm -hmm. so you know here we are almost 30 years later and and there's somebody that's like reverse engineered it and and is adding to it and expanding it and it's it's funny you mentioned yes because i'm looking at the the album cover the uh the box art and the the font is very uh yes-esque is that a word uh yeah yeah
0: like roger dean that style Yeah, yeah definitely that was uh also we we basically left the company before the uk version shipped um and so that was all like you know, people talk to me about the English version having bugs, and I'm like, you know,
1: I was gone, man. <laughs> it wasn't
0: there, right? right? Um, and and weird things were like, the the UK version has different data. I'm like, that's impossible. Like, how is <laughs> that even? You know, anyway. So you know, it's sort of fun to yeah. get weird, asked weird questions like that. Um, so we went to Blue Byte, and then you know, Eric Simon's immortal words. He was like. Let's not do anything too ambitious. Let's just make another role-playing game, and that then took us two years,
1: uh, <laughs> two and a half years, uh, and uh, which is it, like a lifetime in in, in that time period, yes. right? Like normal yes. games were you got six months, eight months, nine months, not yeah. Well, you
0: know, uh, Amber Star was like about fourteen months with okay. with patches, and then Amber Moon was about two years. Um, huh. Albion, we bit off more than we could chew, uh, and that was basically. Uh, probably the worst crunch i've ever done in my life um Ooh. in that it was like you know i think it for various reasons this is hazy but i think it was seven days a week 12 hours a day for like a year at least wow right that's brilliant. but it was really long the it was entirely self-imposed like we could have just said like let's make a smaller game mm. you know <laughs> right right <laughs> or, <laughs> um go. we could have like planned it out i think you know we all came out like let's never do that again. Let's think about what we're doing and plan things out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, that's how you live and learn. Right. Right. So it, it wasn't.
1: Um, yeah. It was well, re- uh, well received. Right. I mean, the game did well. Yeah. Critically.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh I, I don't regret it as such uh, also because I was single at the time. Right. Mm. Um, we were definitely like tired.
2: <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, but I've, I've had burnouts from, like, 40-hour jobs, right? And I've had, uh, like, Albion wasn't you know, far from the worst experience uh, making games in, in my career. Mm-hmm. So not that I would do it again, but, you know, like, or, you know, do it the same way again.
1: But,
2: you know, uh,
0: yeah. So one of the things about Albion is, like, six months into development, you know, we started the game on the Amiga. Six months of development, Commodore went bankrupt. Ah, uh, That's right. So we had to switch from Amiga to uh, PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we had a weird situation where, like, our we were still using that tool chain from the earlier games, which was written in the basic that only ran on Atari ST. And, mm. uh, you know, that got complicated. Um, we ended up like putting in hardware ST emulators in our PCs to run the tools <laughs> and then save it to disk and then switch to the PC and then test it there. Yeah. Um, you know, it was convoluted, but it worked. Right. Um, and I had to learn, you know, go from 68K assembly language to C as soon as possible right (laughs) you know and i have to rewrite a whole bunch of software but you
2: know
0: Mm. uh it shipped so yeah uh and uh yeah you know uh people who remember it remember it fondly um you know most of them yeah and there's there's uh, another fan community and people trying to do remakes of uh, albion right so
2: Mm.
0: i i still get a lot of um you know a lot like you know every every couple of months someone will contact me about it right which is uh you know very gratifying right and people mm-hmm. like I, every couple of months i will go like hey did avatar rip off albion <laughs> you <know? laughs> because you know it's it's set on an alien planet with sort of tall um aliens that okay. uh, live in in a jungle right and there's a couple of more like resemblances um and you know i am i my, written about that length for my blog on my you know, blog but uh-huh. um you know we've ripped off james cameron so much like aliens <laughs> that right you know right. i don't know there there's I'd, I'd actually love to know like i i think there's a small chance that mm. someone who works on avatar maybe had seen albion uh but you know there's also like a, you know enough differences that it uh you know yeah, it, it, yeah.
1: inspiration but it, is, right
0: yeah exactly but it but it's a fun question to get every once in a while
1: so yeah you know. that's fair but, and, and, yeah. and thinking back to then like what do you wish you'd known when you'd started right like in hindsight, you know, yeah, thirty plus years later, like,
2: yeah. Um,
0: number one is uh, save your work on a medium that is that <laughs> yeah that doesn't disappear, right? right.
2: Yeah, because exactly.
0: I lost all the all the source code from the first three games I worked on, and mm. that is uh, a pity. Not just for me, but also for people trying to remake it.
2: Yeah, right. Um, That's a good point.
0: Yeah, number two, like I I learned a lot about sort of how to write larger programs that, that scale, right. That, Mm -hmm. that don't get too complicated. Um, the first game got a bit too complicated. Um, and then I found better solutions.
1: And, um, you know, this is a a tricky question too, with the timing and stuff, but just what advice would you give someone looking to get their first job today? Right. You know, in this 2022, like what kind of advice do you have? It's it's hard
0: to answer because I don't know what it's like today to find a job for someone trying to get their first job, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, you know, the situation is different in, in many ways and I think in some ways easier, in some ways harder. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I also, I used to think that the way I got my first job is not how you could get your first job today, but I don't think right. that's true, actually. I think today, you know, and then I've seen this when, you know, occasionally I, I hire programmers, right?
2: Yeah,
0: or I'm involved in the hiring of programmers. If you can show that you do things on your own and can finish things on your own and are able to do technical things that you can sort of explain,
2: mm-hmm. right? Yeah,
0: uh, that is still something that that is uh, worthwhile, right? So, yeah, we have hired people on the strength of like you know hobby projects, right? Yeah. So you know, I think that still applies. Um, mm-hmm. Showing that you you can actually build something on your own and and finish it to a certain degree. Right. that's still finish it's
2: key important. too
1: right not like yeah i'm just working yeah. on this thing well, show me yeah exactly no uh, yeah. it's not no it's an now.
0: important signal that you, you you can finish something right um yeah because th- that you know in some ways is harder than starting
2: Def- um, definitely it's harder yeah
0: i think the the advice let, let me try to phrase it so the advice I, w- I would give and it's not just for people getting their first job mm mm-hmm. So this is this is a way of like uh, stating the, the problem that that might seem cynical and it's not intended that way but mm-hmm. but and I, and I wonder if you actually if you agree with this but what obviously if you're looking for a job, whether that's your first job or, you know, or a later job right yeah. you, you have certain goals that you want to you want to achieve right you want a different kind of position or a higher position right. you're working on a different kind or, of
1: game or
0: yeah, different kind of game exactly yeah. right so you have goals right mm-hmm. you want to develop certain skills the thing to not forget and i would even say like the thing to kind of focus on Mm -hmm. is the person who's hiring you they have a problem that they want to solve right yeah and this is similar when you're you know you're trying to get a promotion or you know you're already working at a company and you want to you know change something about the way you work Mm -hmm. you know especially like you know you want to get more responsibility or go up a higher level if you know you have a your company has that you have to sort of think of like okay but you know how can I solve, you know, how does my managers, you know, how do they see the game and mm-hmm. what, and their work and and how can I solve their problem,
2: right? Right.
0: Um, which in a way is similar to, you know, like if you're making games, you know, you can make a game that you like or you can make a game that players like, right? And it's not always the same thing. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, that perspective of going like, well, what is it that the person who makes the decision, what do, what do they want, right? What are they sort of sensitive to? Mm-hmm. And And, you know, often you can sort of, you Know, just ask them, right? It's not like a secret question. It's like yeah. you know, like a you know, an interview shouldn't be like a like a weird gotcha situation where mm-hmm. people are trying to prove that you're you suck at the job <laughs> right, that you're applying right. for. Yeah, you know, but it can it can feel like that, but it shouldn't, right? No, it shouldn't. No, be it like shouldn't. That. Yeah. So you know, um, right. which you know, in the case of like you know, when I have managed people and they want to get more responsibilities, like okay, well, show me you can handle more responsibility, right? Like
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, take on a bigger thing, show that you can handle it and that i don't have to worry about it
2: and right. then
0: you know and then and then you you um you also get to um what is it? what is the saying like maybe there's no saying um um you know you you usually have to do the job that you want to start doing this is more of like obviously like internal promotion right yeah but usually you have to do your new job before you get the new job you know what i mean oh right
2: yeah yeah, yeah you know like right.
0: you're already working as a uh, manager or director or Whatever it is, uh, before you officially get that title, right? But right. you've shown that you can think the way you need to think on that
1: level. Mm-hmm. Um, You're unofficially doing it already, so then it just yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know,
0: that, that's usually how it happens, right? Right. So yeah, that and so sense. so that means that like you know someone looking to get the first job is like try to understand what it means to work in a given company, mm-hmm. and if the company has like decent outreach, like for instance, on you know, my not my most recent, but uh, you know, a company I worked for until rec- like until last year. You know, Ubisoft. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of outreach, and they're they're happy to tell you what they're looking for, right? Right. Like they right. have people whose job that is, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, pay attention to that. And then, then you know, a thing that I've seen, I luckily not super often, but I have seen is like people sort of standing in their own way and go like, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. You know, like the thing that I said, right. That that happened to me in 1990, where it's like, like someone talked me out of it. Right. Like, Oh yeah, no, I don't want to work for a big corporation. You know, uh you know, I I I want to be free and do my own thing. Like, okay. But you know, you don't have a job. Yeah. Imagine if that person hadn't said that thing, Mm -hmm. you know, I should probably buy him a beer or something. something
2: (laughs) Yeah.
1: But, uh, (laughs) you know, that's, uh, I I think it's it's a good point too. Is like, put yourself in the perspective of the employer and, yeah. and what problem they're trying to solve. Right. Cause they're not hiring people just cause like, yeah, let's just add people to payroll. It'd be cool to have someone to talk to. Right. Like, like yeah. we oh, need we, this. We're
0: short, we're short of ideas. genius. Oh, I got
1: some <laughs> ideas. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> thinks that their ideas are worth a billion dollars. It's like uh-huh. I- ideas are a dime a dozen. It's like, who can execute yeah. on them? But yeah, yes, exactly. It's, it's really about putting yourself, Slipping the table and understanding what their challenge is, what they're trying to solve, and then seeing if, if you have the skills to then fit that need and then going in a, that direction versus like, I want to do this. And I don't want to, you know, the interview is yeah. more like, Hey, what, what are you trying to do right now? Oh, we got to do this, this, and this. Okay. I, I've experienced cause I've done this and this, I haven't done that, but I've done this. So trying to help them solve a pain point. And that pain point is why yes. they have an open head, not just cause they want to just talk with someone um about engineering you want to see if you yeah, can exactly. solve their problem
0: yeah you know like in, and it's not like i don't have you know my own goals or uh, it's certainly not as if i don't have you know an ego but mm-hmm. um i am happy to do you know any kind of programming or other task mm-hmm. if if that's what makes the game move forward right yeah uh so you know if it's like you know, oh, we really need to. Someone needs to enter this data. It's not really my job, but nobody else has the time. Yeah, I'll i enter that data. You know, right? I uh I worked on an indie game a couple of years back.
2: Okay,
0: I was a Kickstarter stretch goal. Ah, but
2: so the see. game
0: was funded by a Kickstarter. Yeah, and the stretch goal was like we'll hire Yuri. <laughs> <It> was <laughs> like you
1: know, <laughs> it was it was fun. That's funny.
0: Um, yeah. yeah. So this was a game called Sunset by uh, a very small uh, art game company called Tale of Tales. They were Really nice people. Hmm. and uh you know one of the things i did was build a little tool to do subtitle timing right okay and then i was like i'll just do subtitle timing right which is like you know especially if it's like your own handwritten i'm sure there are pro tools for this right right. and actually i think later i talked to freddy's like yeah there are pro tools for this you should have you know used this you know like i built it in like you know a few hours right and then i did subtitle timing for like all the text in the game right and then Mm -hmm. you know and then the, the main team did another pass over it uh but you know yeah and -hmm. it's boring work right but you know that's that's what's needed so let's do that right like Mm -hmm. i i i think i don't think i I can't say i've done everything you can do in games because i i haven't done a lot of graphics and certainly no audio or music but Mm -hmm. you know i've put discs in boxes you know if that's what it takes right right um
1: design work and engineering work and you've done all that yeah 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 Yeah.
0: well yeah i've I've worked as a designer i've worked as a producer as well uh right now now i'm back to programming um Mm -hmm. the, the risk is that you know like you you end up like doing you know only like sort of things that help ha- to help out you know mm-hmm. you end up doing the things that you don't actually want to do for a long time right but oh, um, right you know that 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 can happen right but mm-hmm. that's usually not a huge problem because uh, you can just tell people like hey you know i'm actually here to do this other thing but right
1: um i pitched in this time but this is not my role yeah right?
0: exactly you know like you could sort of go hey hey this is trending in the wrong direction
1: right
2: mm-hmm.
0: but you know like i i think that's necessary right it, it's it's all about uh teamwork I think the mm-hmm. interesting thing about games, like the thing that makes it different from all other media that I know of is that it it integrates more different disciplines Like even compared to film, which mm-hmm. you know can be certainly involves a whole bunch of disciplines right. right and and including ones that you don't get in games but right. i think in in games uh, you get like you know arts, audio, writing, game design, and then programming you know mm-hmm. um, that's just like in the sort of like Creating stuff you know then you get q a and production mm-hmm. uh you know a whole bunch of other like you know support roles Marketing. Right? but but yeah yeah but the, but the important thing is like for the actual like the core of development, all of these things need to come together and work as a whole, right, yeah, just as in a way that in a movie, like all the elements you know the the, the plots and the acting and the lighting and the music and you know, all, all the, the 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 photography, right? Everything has to come together and and, and work and convey one emotion. But mm. I would argue that it's even harder in in games because you we know, we tend to and and I've heard people criticize. And I'm sure you you, you know, you've heard this, especially in the '90s. Like mm-hmm. you know, we, we tend to reinvent the camera every time,
2: right? right? Right.
0: Um, you know, and these days like we have like engines, game engines, right? Yeah, but you still have to do custom work, right? You you still have to right. They're essential parts of a game. That you you have to. Re- implement every single time, mm-hmm. um, you know, which you like, like the, the the programming and and you know, level design, game design, um, right? And so it's this integration of all these different disciplines and all different ways of looking at at a game mm-hmm. that makes it hard, and that has implications on uh, teamwork and the kind of people you want. Right? You want mm-hmm. people who are able to you know translate or uh, look at other people's perspectives and see like, okay, well, this is how I see f- f- things, but yeah, you know, an artist sees things the, you know, the other way, and they have a different workflow, and they have different tools and different mm-hmm. uh, priorities and objectives, right? Yeah. Uh, and then also from the uh, production and project management angle, it it has a massive impact because you can, you know, most content creation in the sense of like art and audio, you can sort of do linear planning, right? You can go like, okay, we need 100 yeah. trees. You know, you start with tree one, then you do tree two, tree three, right? right. right. I know that's not how you do trees anymore. Anyway, no, I know, right, right? right but, but yeah. But, you know, yeah. like, I'm, I couldn't come a better example. Yeah, right? it's a little you, more you know.
1: waterfall, right, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and you know, you can do things out of order, and, you know, like, you can you can outsource, like, half of your trees, you know, like, and right. It, it's not like it's magic, right? It's still hard, right? Right. But but you can do that, right? Scale With it. programming, it's, it's a lot harder, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with game design, it's a lot harder, like, knowing whether something is fun,
1: yeah, right? Right, right. Find the fun, yeah. right? Like, that's always... Uh, hmm. Yeah, Yeah. right. You can map a yeah. plan, but then it's like, this isn't fun. One step forward, two steps yeah, exactly. back. Yeah, exactly. What,
0: yeah, what are you going to do, right? Yeah. And and, and it's crazy, right? I remember reading uh, in a book on sort of software development back in the 90s mm-hmm. about, you know, factors that make projects hard. Mm-hmm. And one was like, if a, if a program is is real-time software, which is a technical term, meaning it has to react to input within a certain time frame, right?
2: Okay, right.
0: There's a sort of distinction between hard real-time where like, it has to react in this in this millisecond or right, else right. this nuclear reactor blows up or whatever it is, <laughs> right. right? You know, you know, like airplanes, I I guess, right? Yeah. And then the soft real time where it's like it's okay if it's like if it occasionally misses a thing, right? Mm. Games are obviously, you know, not every game, but real-time games are obviously real time, right? Yeah. Like, you know, they 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 have that thing where frame you know,
2: rate, depending left.
0: on the game, yeah, people like it has to run at 30 frames, 20 frames, 60 frames, right? Right. And it's, you know sometimes, you know, it can be bad if you drop a frame depending on the game, right? Right. So that's one thing that makes games really hard, or sorry pro- suffer really hard. The other thing is like if you have unclear requirements, it's like well, games <laughs> always have unclear requirements. Right, you right, don't know what's right. going to be fun, right? So right. you know, there were like two factors, like, oh, if you have two of these, that's really tough. And I'm like, well, thanks. that's my career. Right? Right. Right. So right. Yeah. yeah.
1: Right. Yeah, because films, yeah, yeah, films are a little more linear in, in the sense of like yeah. th- 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 they know the steps
0: well, and also with with a, with a film, like in the end, you get pixels on a screen, right? And then you you know you just do that like a couple of thousand times. I, I don't right. know how many frames are in a movie, right? right? But the thing is, like you know, you can do things out of order. You can use different techniques in different parts of the movie if you want to, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, you want things to look similar, right? But what I mean is, like, the, the, there are, there aren't as many dependencies between different parts of your right. production as there are in games, right? Right. Right. Um, right. Which is where you right. know, like, I think the weirdest that this is maybe not the best example, but it's like the one that just jumps to mind is like mm-hmm. Watch Dogs Legion. There was a graphics programmer
1: who... Which game?
0: Uh, Watch Dogs Legion. So this is a game that oh, okay. uh, yeah, on Watch uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah. yeah, right. From uh, Ubisoft. And so there was a graphics programmer who introduced a bug mm. that graphics program, like a rendering program. Right. Like someone who... And I not gameplay, which is normally the bug. No, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was a team lead gameplay programmer. So I was on the gameplay side. I barely knew their names, right? Because it was a giant team, right? Right. Um, someone there introduced a bug that meant that all missions were broken only on DX 11 on PC. And it was like, we were all like, <laughs> what? you know, cause we're like, why? Right. Cause you know, right. you could play it on Xbox and PS4 right, right. Uh, and you could play it on DX 12 Right. And then on DX11, all the missions are broken. I was like, <laughs> how, right? And when missions are broken, especially a lot, like there's a lot of people that certainly start sitting up and going right. like, okay, we need to figure out, you know, does it, you get like this this task force right. that it builds, right? Like, right. Suddenly there are like five to 10 people going like, what is going on right. debugging? Red uh, alert, you know, red alert, yeah. Exactly, right? Yeah. And then it's like, oh, there's something about the rendering of transparency that means that we can no longer detect that you're hitting that you're looking at a marker at a quest marker, and therefore the quests don't continue because you have to look at the marker. Uh, and it, you know, right. and it was like you know that that poor graphics program had a very bad day that day. You know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like you know, ten people spent half the day figuring out <laughs> right what went wrong. And then you
1: heard it from ten to You know what you did? You <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I know. I'm sure we said it more nicely, but I, right. I'm sure we all said like, no. A lot of people just you know. I spent a lot of time working right, right. But you know, like but that's an, an extreme example of like right. integration, right? You know, right. Um,
1: yeah. Dependencies or, and integration yeah. and all those kind of things. And yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think that's something that, you know, as an old person who learned how to make games before Agile, uh, it's something I, I miss in Agile a lot. Uh, in games, is, you know, mm. like being aware of dependencies, right? Because just because you're agile doesn't mean that those dependencies go away, right? No. And um, I'm I'm not the world's biggest expert on agile, but mm. having looked a little bit at where sort of where it came from and what it was built to do, it 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 wasn't. In some ways, it's really good for games because of the iterative nature of games right, right? And, and agile is iterative right but in some ways it's, it's not good at all because you still have like you know you still need to do all your levels before you do you know write your you know well you need to write all your lines before you record the audio before yeah, you translate yeah. your you know yeah. there are the dependencies are still there yeah so.
1: those d- dependency things right Yeah. yeah yeah that makes sense so what do you feel is the most important quality or skill for other game developers to have and i know it's a broad question because it's you know, mm-hmm. ten disciplines. But if you can speak kind of broadly, uh, or you know, around engineering, or
0: I think it is the ability to to see things from another's perspective and to see it from the perspective of another of another discipline, right? Mm-hmm. And to realize that you can never write a perfect program or you know come up with the perfect, perfectly lit, modeled scene, right? Right? Because at the end, it always it all has to work together as part of a game. Mm-hmm. Um, realizing that that you're you're part of something. Wow, this is so bigger. Part of something bigger yeah. than yourself right not just you know?
2: blinders
1: on don't be like
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah right no. sorry this sounds like it sounds more highfalutin than i'm into, <laughs> into the sound um no
2: but it's but yeah
0: you know i think that's important right then yeah and it's it's tough right at different phases of you know the industry that that has been difficult i remember um i think clint hawking was telling me about when he was working on splinter cell the original splinter cell mm you know, I think that was the first game that had real-time lighting or, well, you know, where, you know, one of the first games that had real-time lighting and where it was actually part of the gameplay.
1: Yeah. It tied uh, in the gameplay. yeah, that's fair. Right. You know.
0: Yeah. And so it meant that the artists could not do perfect lighting of their levels. Right. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it all had to be lit, you know, right. With the, the, the dynamic lighting that the game had and, right. And the, the player could mess with it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's difficult. Right. And it's, um, it, you get similar things uh, with with like um, animations right where you can have a really good animation or you can have a responsive animation yeah. usually you could not have both right right
1: right yeah it, so, it, we used to do that in mortal comic because it would look beautiful but if, if there was delay and you hit the button and it wasn't responsive enough then yeah it doesn't serve the player and um you want responsiveness supersedes everything so mm-hmm. yeah you have to think about that kind of stuff
0: so i think that that's that's you know being able to See the perspective of other disciplines, and to to talk to people of other pers- uh, perspectives, and to mm-hmm. uh, negotiate, right, to, to achieve a compromise that works for everyone, right? Yeah, I think that's that's one of the uh, most important qualities or skills.
1: Right. What about advice for like developing interpersonal skills and you know emotional intelligence stuff like that? Yeah. Um,
0: mm-hmm. How to develop them is is it's interesting. Um, like I, I don't, know I'm not an expert on this, right? However, I think like being aware of them and just being Curious and right. learning more about them, there, there are there is a whole bunch of stuff you can learn. Like I've uh, I've had a number of like, management or you know related courses over the, the course of my career.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Not all of them have been awesome. Yeah. Uh, however, even the bad ones, just like the fact that you're sitting there with your coworkers, sometimes coworkers from other projects, you know, people you don't work with directly, yeah. just that bonding. Even from a bad <laughs> management course, you know, can help, right? Yeah. Um
1: we're in this together, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're we're listening to this rambling together, you know. Right. I, I've had really good uh management courses, right? Yeah. Um I had I had one where we had to fill out a personality test.
2: Uh ah, and I was okay. like, oh God, really? <laughs> oh,
0: fine. You know and I look at this questionnaire and like, Oh, this is like terribly phrased and this could mean anything. And it bends yeah, really yeah. and you know, and I fill out all this stuff and I'm like right. I'm really hating this questionnaire. Right. Uh-huh. And I fill it out and it spits out like you're really process oriented. You care that things are done the right way. I'm like, wow this test <laughs> really looked deeply into my soul and found out you know exactly what i'm like <laughs> and so this test was literally life-changing like i know people are more mm-hmm. nerdy about process right but yeah. I, I care that things are done the right way right yeah and and through that i i get to like caring about people and caring about outcome obviously i, I care about those things yeah uh but yeah Anyway. So. Uh, to come back to the actual question is there there are courses right so mm-hmm. it, i think it's something like where if you're curious about it and you start asking around you start paying attention you you will sort of see like what the different things are um that you can pay attention to, like mm-hmm. um dealing dealing with feedback, uh you know giving you feedback the right way, you know being empathetic um mm-hmm. I't know there, there's a lot, so yeah yeah there's a yeah lot, uh lot and you know like depending on the size of your company ask your company if they can do uh
1: courses Mm -hmm. like if they can get in external uh people to uh to to help all right so here's a big open-ended question like you've worked on you know a ton of games over your career including you know grand theft auto and and all those other games at blue bite and a bunch of other games i probably don't even know about so like what's been your favorite game or project to work on
0: I'm going to say something and then I'm going to regret when I get to the last <laughs> question. Like I should, I, I should have saved this up for the last question. But okay. um, I think there are two things that have allowed me to have a long career. And one is that I, I change around regularly, right? So mm-hmm. I, I worked on big games, small games, big companies, small companies, different countries, different platforms, different, platforms, different types of games, uh, different, different roles. roles right? I've, yeah. Right? yeah pr- uh, started in programming, went to production, did design. Mm-hmm. So that, that helps, right? Uh, that's one thing the other thing and this is i think
2: Mm -hmm.
1: powerful advice is like hey hope you're enjoying the show if you are please go to patreon.com backslash game dev advice would love to see if you can support the show and help uh, new episodes keep coming out that's patreon.com backslash game dev advice thanks
0: I enjoy the act of making games more than playing games, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I like making games in itself. I like programming right. in itself, the
1: craft, like, right? Like, like yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Like, in, and you know, like I, I don't think I, I would last long in, as a non-games programmer. But I, mm-hmm. you know, I've done some programming outside of games, right? Yeah. But you know, like I like programming in itself, right? So. Right. That helps me, and so in a way, there like uh, I, I like a lot of different games, right? Mm. So, and specifically, a game that I uh, enjoyed making a lot more than enjoy playing right. is um, back in 2009, uh, with some uh, some friends that I'd worked with before at uh, Rockstar Vienna. Uh, I co-founded a uh, small development company in uh, in Vienna, Austria, mm-hmm. called uh, Mipumi Games. Uh, they're still around. They're uh, they're well, cool. they're thriving. Uh, they're I think there are fifty people now. There's, uh, hmm. They're still you know they're going strong. Yeah, but initially it was just like a bunch of people in a room and making Nintendo DS games for kids, uh, specifically trivia games for kids. Hmm. And we made thirteen Nintendo DS games in one year. Wow. Yeah, and that was fun. Yeah. Right, and it was like.
1: Obviously, these were not high quality games. Yeah, right. right. It's not, but mind blowing (laughs) Uh, production values or, yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, exactly. Right. So these are not games I'd be proud to show my mom, you know, like, hey, I made a game that teaches kids about animals. You know, that's kind of cool. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, but these are not like games you would have heard of. Um, Right. These were games that allowed us to start up as a company, right. And to get our first sort of uh, work for hire contracts uh, going. Mm -hmm. Uh, It allowed us to build a company, but also, there was very low interference by the publisher. Mm. And so, you know, we were just able to do it as best we could. And, you know, so it became a fun fun sort of puzzle to sort of optimize production and and make this as quickly, as cheaply as possible. Mm -hmm. And it was just like a small bunch of people in a room and making content and making the game. And yeah, that was a lot of fun, right? Yeah. So is that my favorite game of projects? Probably not, but it was um, one that was... I'm still surprised by how how much I enjoyed Right. Yeah. and when I talked to people, also worked in they like, "Yeah, that would you know, that was fun, right?" Right, right. Uh, we, you know, we we tried to do something difficult, and it, it, we and you know we didn't crunch. Like I I've think I've crunched twice in the last 20 years or so. So mm. you know, in general, like I've managed to avoid crunch. Um, good, but on that yeah. game, we like we didn't crunch, right? So mm. you know, yeah, yeah, uh, that was fun. Uh, I think um, two favorite games. So, like one is like Albion which even though there was a lot of crunch, yeah. as I mentioned earlier, right, you know, we had complete creative freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, uh, you know, we, we set ourselves a very ambitious goal. We had very little interference, you know, about what the game should be or could be. Right. And we, we made that game and, you know, and I, there's a lot of my ideas in setting and the storyline, you know, uh, and you know uh, it's probably the most creative i've personally been able to be on on a game right so that, yeah. that that you know is uh will always be one of my favorite projects
1: right
2: um
0: the other one was uh Watch Dogs legion right that was my first triple a game since working at rockstar games mm-hmm. and at rockstar games i did a, a port and then uh worked on manhunt 2 uh which then the studio shut down and the uh, the rest of development was done by a different studio mm-hmm.
2: yeah. and
0: you know and that was like a team of like 50 people right that was 2004 2005 yeah 2006 um so you know working on Watch Dogs legion which has like
2: hundreds, and hundreds, hundreds of and people hundreds. In oh, like yeah.
1: you know like different countries you know, a and ton
0: know. of studios yeah you know that was like a completely different uh experience for me it was also interesting like you know we moved to canada mm-hmm. to work you know at Ubisoft Toronto.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, so for me it was like to work on specifically Legion because of you know the some of the innovative things that they were trying to do. Mm. Uh it was my first time in an office. Like I had to wear pants, you know, <laughs> because I worked as a freelancer <laughs> a couple of years before that. Right. Uh, from from home. Right. Um yeah. yeah. So you know that was that was, I had a great time.
2: That's cool.
0: It was uh it was tough, but it wasn't like mm. too tough. Mm. Uh for me at least, you know, you know. Cool. And uh I really it was actually the first game that I enjoy playing right like i shipped it it came out i had happened to somehow Mm. get a ps5 like really early oh, okay. on, okay, and I played it on the PS5 and I had a blast, right? And I just played it all through. And it's weird, you know, because you go like, oh, That's surely cool. you've played it so many times because you know you're sick of it. But mm-hmm. uh, I hadn't, right? Like, I right. I, if you're working on a huge game like that, you you rarely get to play the game in its in its entirety as as yeah, you're working you play know, a it the way portion player in, in, would right
1: in a non-linear section of it. so... Yeah,
0: yeah. I was playing it in a different you know in the, in the right order and right. You know, so. You know, just walking through London on a PS5 with the real-time ray tracing was just, like, mind-blowing, right? Yeah.
1: So, so yeah, you yeah, oh,
0: cool. uh, know, that was great,
2: yeah. Yeah.
1: So what are you curious about right now in the industry, you know, with everything going on and technology and platforms and engines? Um, and... I think
0: there's a a trend right now. What I've always been interested in, like, literally, before I even started in the industry is, you know, telling stories in video games right Mm -hmm. like to me like playing a video game always feels like i'm experiencing a cool story right and and i i want to make those stories be more emotionally involving that that's sort of been you know my my goal uh my interest for like my entire career Mm -hmm. and i think we're at a stage where certain techniques have become very like no well well known enough uh and powerful enough not you know in the sense of like Technology or anything because they're mm. not technologically, you know, complicated. Mm. But people, you know, have heard of them enough and have started playing around with them. And there are some games that that do really interesting things with them. Mm-hmm. You know that that we are starting to get more games with more dynamic storytelling, more like I don't want to say procedural, but more like oh. ad- adaptive storytelling. Adaptive, right?
2: Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah.
0: uh So there's a, a game I haven't played yet, uh, Wild West, right? Uh no, sorry, Weird West. Yeah,
2: Weird West. Okay.
0: Um, done by some uh, X. Ex- arcane people in fact it's a studio founded by uh ref colantonio who was uh the founder of uh, uh arcane right yeah so that that is supposed to have like really dynamic storytelling uh game like a wilder myth right mm-hmm. um games like that and 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 th- th- you know this is sort of my 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 hobby horse my my uh wheelhouse right my yeah. uh, my focus so i i talk to people who know this kind of stuff um mm-hmm. On a regular basis, and I sort of see what they're doing and what they're talking about. You know, like um there's um uh, Emily Short who's currently at uh, Phil Better Games, uh mm. working on really interesting stuff there. And okay. you know, she she has popularized a whole bunch of techniques through her blog because she, she's like just has the, the world's best blog if you're into that hmm. kind of thing.
1: Put show um yeah. uh
0: so you know, and and I, I can sort of see that um a technique that um uh was sort of uh, pioneered at, at Phil Better called Story let which uh Emily has done a lot of work of sort of, you know, explaining to people like what it is and why it's important. Right. Mm-hmm. You can sort of see that, that happening, you know, like showing up in different games. We, we had some, some techniques in Legion that were similar to that. Right. Uh, we had mm-hmm. some, some dynamic storytelling there. And so, yeah, you know, I think there's um, more and more people are starting to use this. Yeah. And I think that's really exciting. So that's, you know, that's a little bit niche, but that's okay. what I'm curious about. I, I, i think i mentioned it earlier right i was working on a game for the commodore amiga and then commodore went bust yeah and after that nothing could ever surprise me again (laughs) right (laughs) it's like the worst thing you can imagine can happen right Right. you know and you know like got that out of the way now all right yeah you know it's like (laughs) you know so you know because you know currently right Right. there's a debate about you know is unity
1: cool? Right. You know,
0: I think unity is still cool. Right. No, no matter what, you know, people say. Right. Right. Uh, but you know, yeah, there is a, you know, there, there's always a risk. Right. And yeah, right. every once in a while, people remember that, you know, unity is a for-profit company on the stock market and right. they have to make money somehow and, mm. you know, and someone might buy them or whatever. Right. Right. Um, engines come and go. Right. Um, right. I was working at, uh, at Rockstar Games, when EA bought Renderware, and that was the uh, engine for all
2: Rockstar games, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> that was not, you know, yeah. People were not happy about that internally. Oh, our biggest competitor bought our the core of our tech,
1: right? You know, and we were using Renderware at Midway in Mortal Kombat, right? Yeah. And then it was like, oh, this publisher competitor of yours just bought the engine, right? So like, well, yep. well that's going to be dead at some point, right? It was kind of like a, a brain drain just to get some talent and uh, yep. kind of. Sunset that engine and uh yep. so yeah and you know like, and, yeah.
0: and you have people who you talk to about you know who who know your source code who you talk to about your technical problems, mm. they're they're employees who work for your biggest competitor, right? You know, like okay. how do you feel about that? Right. and there's conflict you know, of can, interest,
1: yeah. I know,
0: right? Like, and they can yeah, you know, they can assure you wh- however they want, right? Mm-hmm. It it feels weird, yeah. So <laughs> right, uh so you know, like things like that um is not something that I sort of lie awake about. Um mm. Yeah. So one interesting job I did uh, last year, uh, after I shipped Legion at Ubisoft, um, I started working for Ubisoft's um, academic research lab called La Forge, hmm. uh, and, and they've been around since two thousand sixteen. Uh, started in Montreal, and then they were sort of expanding, and so I was I was sort of in charge of building that up in the Toronto studio. Okay, and you know that meant that I had to. You know, me, the college dropout, had to start you know, reading papers and yeah. you know talking to scientists, yeah. th- thinking hard. You know about what does it mean to do research and what is useful research for the games industry and why, right? Uh-huh. And that, that was super interesting. I learned a lot. Um, cool, but you know, I and I saw a lot of tech, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, the interesting tech of today is machine learning, right? And, mm-hmm you know it's something you can apply to every other bit of tech right yeah uh you know rendering audio whatever it is Mm -hmm. and 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 that's super interesting right there's like there's so much happening right and yeah uh and it's funny because like i've always been sort of on the edges of the game ai community and and field right because i care about the intersection of sort of storytelling and interactivity and programming Mm -hmm. and and game ai is very close to that right except that i'm just not that interested in making dudes run around shoot the player right so that's why i've never really been fully like immersed in game ai yeah uh it it was interesting like talking to some of the people in in that field you know and i'm going like machine learning in games that'll never take off and i was literally (laughs) like i just came out of a meeting about all the cool stuff we're doing with machine learning at ubisoft right
2: yeah
0: and so that that was sort of um interesting and exciting right yeah. uh, but you know it's not the core thing that i'm curious about and i'm interested in it's like i'm interested in seeing what people are going to do with much simpler technology but mm-hmm. it's going to move move games ahead. and i think the problem is more about we don't really know what we can do with it we don't know what will be rewarding for players right mm-hmm. and the players don't know it yet so the, the players have to sort of also learn like hey oh you know like you know, remember um chrystal games and what was it, clementine will remember this right Vaguely. In uh, yeah. it was a um, walking dead right oh okay it was one of their first games and when you made when you did an action that the game would remember and react to later they would just literally put up on screen like Clementine i will remember that you know and, <laughs> and it sort of became this like uh, and i say this like i barely played this game but right. it became a sort of big thing in, on the design side it's like oh you can just tell players you're gonna react to something <laughs> right
1: you know and cue it up for later it, right? yeah
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, and uh, I don't know. That's cool. so the, yeah. Anyway, that's what I'm curious about.
1: What about uh, potential threats or concerns or things like that?
0: Um, I don't know. I think last year in particular was a great year to be a developer mm-hmm. because there was a lot of money sloshing around and, you yeah. a lot of new studios, you know, hiring, uh, being built from the ground up, uh, often remote, right? Which meant that you can right. work for company, you know. The time zone is more important than your location, right? Yeah. Which is why, you know, I've, uh, the last two companies I worked for were US companies, mm-hmm. even though I'm based in Canada. So that's great. But, you know, I yep. think the threat now is like with the world economy, not that I'm particularly an expert on that, you know, but with like mm. inflation, recession, right? Yeah. maybe there's less money sloshing around, right? Mm. Um, so th- that, fame, uh, that, that is a potential threat. Yeah, yeah, exactly one of the few positive things about the pandemic is that it has moved sort of digital media forward um mm-hmm. and also remote work right oh yeah uh, it poured
1: gasoline know, on a trend that was going to happen anyway it just yeah exactly yeah, yeah. yes
0: exactly that yeah it did and you know people had to right like right you know on, on legion like we had to switch to working remotely like, like a week of downtime and then everyone was able to work again or something you know mm-hmm. maximum right yeah uh and then we sort of had to ship uh, triple A game from our bedrooms, right? Yeah. Which, which uh, and, and we weird. did, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 And it was definitely that. weird. Yeah. It helped that, you know, if you're at the end of development, you're already like, you know, you're already a team, right? Mm-hmm. You already know each other. You know what you're doing. Right. You just have to do it in a different way. Right. So that helped a lot. That's but anyway established, so, so, yeah. so yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the 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 threat is I think, you know, the world economy, uh mm-hmm. in various bits. Uh and then opportunities is I think uh, remote work, right? Mm-hmm. Um yeah. You know, we'll see how things go, right? Mm-hmm. I, I I think we've seen that every prediction about how things will go are like, difficult. Right, um, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I don't think we'll go back to in-office the way that...
1: Right, yeah. And, and I think the companies that are pushing that really hard and, and being kind of draconian about it, they're getting backlashes. And, and um, oh, yeah. for the most part, there, there's probably certain roles or certain areas where you need to be face-to-face. But for the most part, people can do it remote. So yeah it feels more like it's a matter of trust, not like there's a real hardcore reason for it. like I want to see you sitting yes. at your desk because that means you're working like, well, does
0: yeah that, you know yeah. no, it, but it's exactly that, right? It's like there's some uh red flags that are more visible when you're sitting in your bedroom mm. rather than in an office, right? right so for instance, right, if you're on a zoom call or a team's call, yeah, it's harder to be the loud, overbearing white guy <laughs> than if you're you know in an office, right, right, yeah. And, you know, that changes things, right? Right, right? It's also that, you know, as a manager, you have to work harder to work with your team and, you know, support them mm-hmm. than in an office, I think. Right. You know, yeah. because, you know, you have like fewer communication channels, right? fewer opportunities. So you have to make those work more, right? You mm-hmm. can just go over and yell at someone.
1: Right. Or, or, you, or you can't do the thing I used to do, be like, you know, we have a problem, right? Like, let's five yeah. of us go in a room. I'll get the whiteboard. You know, yeah. talk to me like I'm a I'm an eight year old. I'll I'll write it down and you know just try and simplify it and then let's yeah. figure it out collectively. And that that is missing. So that is one part of the the change that is made made harder. Upside being that you can then hire people remotely, right? And, and yeah, that's our, our company because like we're about fifty fifty Chicago mm-hmm. and fifty percent in twenty two other states throughout the country. So it's helped me with hiring also because I don't have to talk about Chicago yeah. winners. Um, you know, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. And and it's it you know it's it's difficult, right? It's like I there are things that I know that experiences I had in Ubisoft offices that I can no longer have mm. that I know were very beneficial. Right. You know, and it was like walking to the kitchen to get a coffee and then running to someone I don't actually right. work with, but then chatting with them and then learning something.
2: Right? Yeah, those exactly. kinds of things, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: um And you know, like, and for sure, it's not going to be like equal or better mm-hmm. across the board. But for instance, the thing you said about uh, you know getting people into a room, I've definitely you know seen and done that. But what I've also seen this was like when we switched from Skype for Business to Teams, mm. Microsoft Teams at Ubisoft, suddenly is like, hey, I can start I can start a chat with two people, mm. and I can go like, well, here's a bug, and I have no idea what it is. Do you know? And then people look at it and go, like, no, but I think it's this, this other person who works on this thing. Let me drag them in. And you ah, just keep adding people. Right. And then, you know, and if someone is like, you know, was dragged in in the beginning and then, you know, it turns out not to be their problem, mm-hmm. you still sort of hang in there. And then if it turns out, you know, you come back to go, no, it, it was that that part of the game, right? Yeah. So it was very easy to to federate, um, to grab people from all across the team,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: including from other studios, mm-hmm. you know, which is like, even if you have like 200, 250 people on a single floor, yes, I could walk over, right? Yeah. But it's easier to just have like a couple of those chats for like a couple of annoying bugs. You know, and, right. then, you know, th- th- and that was, the, I I saw that advantage even before the pandemic, right? Mm. So it is exactly that thing. It's like get people into a room and, and talk it through. Right. Except it was virtual, right? And so. Yeah.
1: And just thinking about that a little more, it, it kind of depends on, you know, what stage of your career, right? Like, you know, you and I got in the industry, you know, me is 89, you were, you know, 90, 91, right? So yeah. we're in a different point of our career than people starting out now. So I do think in some ways it is harder for those people when you can't bump into that person going to get a coffee and then start talking about something
0: that that comes back to my point is like as a manager you need to be more thoughtful thoughtful
2: mm-hmm.
0: and go like how, how can i create you know how can i nurture this anyway right and, and right. various companies have come up with ways of like sort of like chat rouletting like who am mm-hmm. i gonna virtually run into it for a coffee today right, right. there's various systems
1: yeah there. yeah there's there's software that kind of like can recreate an office with avatars yeah you yeah. know in different ways yeah. to interact uh mm-hmm. in a virtual environment that was somebody on the podcast about a year ago i was talking about Yeah, my it. wife worked for a
0: company that did that and they had a would all like be in this virtual office mm. and it was sort of be easy you know you you sort of get a little bit of the feeling of a, of an office right um it's it, some of these things are easier in a big studio because then you have like you know economies of scale of like having someone organize something for all oh. designers across the studio or right whatever, right but right. You know, it's still like I think it's something that you can and, and should like encourage as as a manager, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, how how can I make sure that my people get the the feedback they need, that they get the um, you know that they're not too isolated, all those things,
1: right? Yeah. Out yeah. That, that, that is, you know, both yeah. the, the
0: challenge and the opportunity, right?
1: Yeah, that's fair. What's a funnier, odd story from working in the industry? Do you want to do the big reveal, or what do you? Oh, for? yeah. All right. So I'm going <laughs> to tell a story
0: I've never told in in public, right? Dun
2: dun dun. Uh, dun.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, because yeah, well, you know, yeah. So back in 2003, I worked at Rockstar Vienna, and we did the Xbox, you know, OG Xbox sports of GTA Free and Vice City, mm-hmm. and that was you know. Very, very tough, very intense, but you know, yeah. also very gratifying because you know, doing doing it, you know, doing a port is not easy, but it's still like you you kind of know what you're aiming for, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> the fun has been found, right? Mm. Um, so that was cool, right? And yeah, so we 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 finish, you know, we we hit Goldmaster on the uh, U.S. version, and it gets uh, pressed onto CDs and or DVDs, and you know, sold in stores and blah, blah blah. Yeah, and then you know now you know then we you know we're all like super tired and we were like okay well now we need to do the the non-us versions right so mm-hmm. japan germany europe you know australia i think right you know because each country has, has their own like sort of legal restrictions about what you can show and mm-hmm. what you can't show
1: and violence um, and,
0: yeah oh, yeah, of, yeah so violence so germany is famously like uh difficult about that you know well
1: australia it, too um, yeah.
0: yeah australia too i think it was australia where you're not allowed to show a connection between sex and violence Mm. Uh, There was something there and uh, GTA was famously the game where you can visit a prostitute and then beat her up and get your money back,
2: Mm, which was
0: all, which was very controversial, but it's also all in the eye of the beholder because, you know, any NPC can just randomly drop money, right?
2: Oh, right. And so it was
0: all like, you know, yeah, you you know, so, you know, this is a really interesting lesson in sort of Mm. systemic storytelling and how you should you know, you're still responsible for what your systems do, right? Yeah. Um, That's true. and you know and uh, so i think they added something about, like oh well, if australia then and if australia and prostitute then don't drop on here
2: right probably
0: what they did if then yeah. statement you know, yeah, right. yeah you know and so these games were like pretty complicated and and there were like sort of you know if then statements you know or the equivalent like all over yeah the place going like huge you know, games. In, yeah. in europe do this and you know in australia do that and so the thing i did and at, at that time because you know we kind of like most of the team had sort of taken time off and mm. I, I was there to sort of I was uh, I, I was actually, yeah, I was the producer of those localizations. I sort of meant to like, I just, you know, mostly on my own, right? Yeah. I just went in and started gathering all those places where things were different for different SKUs and there's creating one file that was controlling all that. So I could mm. just go like, build me the, the European SKU, build me the German SKU, build me the Japanese right. SKU, whatever,
1: right? Flip different you know, switches my... and then it knows. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Smart.
0: Just, just centralize all that. Just yeah. make them make my life easier. Yeah. Right. And then uh, there had been a, uh, content patch for the and when I say patch, I mean like sorry, I need <laughs> oh. kids these days don't right. understand what <laughs> I'm talking about so content had been changed so the PS2 version shipped uh, and uh, got into, the, there was some controversy around quests, you know, missions involving Haitians and Cubans and mm-hmm. the controversy like led to protests outside the offices of Rockstar Games. so Rockstar is like, okay, fine we will change the content, and the next time we produce some new, you know, we press some new DVDs, right. we'll use that updated content, right? So that, that was the, the patch, right? So yeah. they uh, they changed some of the content for that. Mm. Um, and so I was working on the the, the foreign SKUs, uh, and then someone was like, hey, we've actually, you know, we've sold out the initial run of DVDs that we pressed for the US version, mm. and we want to integrate this this content, you know, this content change from the Sewer. Right. Okay. So we need, we need to build a new U.S. master, Hmm. right? So I was like, okay, well, let me just put aside the work that I'm doing, Mm -hmm. right? Jump on that and get this content patch and build a U.S. version. So I build a new U.S. version, Mm -hmm. and we tested internally, and we and our testing was very thorough. So we had like we had to 100% the game, not finished game, like 100% the game, yeah, before it, you know, internally in Vienna, right? Yeah, and that took like two three days,
2: right? Right? Yeah, yeah.
0: Then we would send it to New York, and they would test it. Mm -hmm. Then it would go to Microsoft and they tested it. So right. this is a look like, you know, like, oh, Eerie did such a great job integrating that. You know. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Vienna tested, New York tested, Microsoft tested, mm-hmm. first submission set of tests, go through it flying colors. Mm-hmm. And then we get a bug report going like, yeah, there's a typo mm-hmm. in the French subtitles. I'm like, what French subtitles? <laughs> You're playing the US version. Right. How- there are no French subtitles in the US this? version. Right. Well, um, the, the, what they were seeing, like they were the first tester ever in the whole chain who were like, who set their Xbox to French. Ah. And then because it was, was the European version, because I had checked in that control file set to Europe. Right. Like idiot. Right. <laughs> and, you know, I built the European version. Right. Uh, you know, and at the very last minute, you know, they have this bug and we're like, oh my God. And so we had to like, you know uh oh. i had to talk to a lot of people like my boss had to talk to his boss and etc cetera, etc cetera, to go like uh ah, yeah no can we please do that all over again right because
1: because you know, and so it's I, a bunch of stuff is turned off is what you're saying right
0: yes I nearly uh remove the uh sex and violence from by city you know like <laughs> if that hadn't been caught right there would have been a, another uh, like two different versions of the Xbox US game right one where there was a typo in the French subtitle, uh, subtitles, but also one where um, the content restriction of the European version would have been active.
1: Wow, that would have been
2: massive. Hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, I don't know. Uh, yeah. someone would eventually have noticed, but you know, right. like it might have. You know, I, I mean, people have noticed things about Rockstar games that I didn't think were possible. Right. Yeah. Uh, like the whole hot coffee thing. Right. Was like yeah, hot
2: coffee is uh, a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah that was uh, that was a thing.
1: Right. Um, that was a huge. But yeah. Thing.
0: It was the, uh, actually it was that experience and a uh, different experience that that friends of mine had gone through where their game couldn't go to goldmaster on pc mm. cuz walmart had discovered like some ridiculous thing about yeah. it. like like a tester had found like a way to see a nipple in the game, <laughs> like by doing just something really extreme, like they can right. see like a nipple. And then Walmart was like, no, 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 not show this, right? Yeah.
1: We don't take that so, in Arkansas. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And what I also still remembered from working at Blue bites and later I worked, uh, you know, Blue Byte, uh, you know, we, uh, as you know, right? When, yeah. We, worked, we did this game called The, the, the Settlers. Right. Uh, And then later I worked for another company that did a sort of Settlers clone, right? Mm -hmm. And but both of those games, whenever they tried to market it in the US, they had to make it more Mm warlike. And the whole principle of the Settlers and the the games like it, right? The Settlers sort of became a genre, right? Yeah. And so the the German term for this game is called Aufbau-Strategiespiel. It's about building something up right mm-hmm. and there's a a word that people use again in german you know famous for its words right Yeah, that, that right. You cannot express any uh there's a german word called w- wussle which is the <laughs> the fact that you're seeing all these small creatures or people uh, sort of walk walking around peacefully going about their day. right that's the whole point yeah. of this genre right and then but but then for for us marketing we always have to make it more warlike right <laughs> but then walmart freaks out over a nipple i get into you know hot water right uh, over like content restriction so I was like okay the next game I work on (laughs) I want it to be censored everywhere right (laughs) and the next game I worked on was Manhunt 2 and it was uh
1: Oh, I, uh, man. Yeah. Oh, manhood two. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, that yeah. was, and very so annoying. I, I kind of got my wish. I, I don't think, <laughs> I don't remember that. Well, you know, I, uh, I, I never played the actual ship title because, you know, they shut down our studio and someone else finished it. Yeah. Uh, but uh. I don't know if they had to censor like sexual content for the US version, but that, that while I was working at that game, that was my goal to, to, you know, like, like every country would have to have a, you know, n- no country could play the full version, right? Yeah. It was, you know, because I was sick and tired of this. You know all these all these restrictions, oh, these
1: restrictions. yeah yeah that was I, I forgot about that that was pretty gruesome and violent and oh yeah it was a big like <laughs> let's just ratchet up to 11 right and and see yeah. how um, crazy we yeah I was, I
0: was i was the uh producer on that for like the first uh first year or so oh. and I uh that was that. a major challenge for us for hiring right and for internal uh hiring like you know w- when we hired people we were like you know and you know rockstar secrecy is like uh Know, very extreme, and so we were going. Mm. Like, okay, are you are you okay working on violent titles? And people are like, Oh yeah, I played GTA. No, no, no. Yeah, we we're yeah. like, No, 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 no. Really violent? Right. They're like, right. What right. are you talking about? You know,
2: like, gruesome. <laughs> and then it's like, yeah, right. yeah.
0: But then you know, like six months in, you've got like the animators showing their you know videos that they've sort of made themselves their own reference videos for the executions and like right. pretending to. Mame each other with bolt cutters or whatever they were laughing <laughs> <laughs> like, like people get desensitized really quick right exactly
1: <laughs> desensitized that, that, that's, that's a good yeah.
0: Term. uh yeah you know like i i personally i like horror right i, I like the, the challenge of working
1: on a horror game right so mm-hmm. you know, um yeah yeah what about games you're playing right now is there anything that stands out or you're enjoying so ever since the pandemic i i no
0: longer have the attention span to really get into big new games mm-hmm. uh so i i the, the game i'm playing now that i'm excited the game i play religiously every day is new york times crossword hmm. and uh new york times spelling bee mm-hmm. uh you know so puzzle games like that right the one game that i do want to there's games that i, I go like i really should play this it sounds amazing yeah but i just don't get to it right mm-hmm. uh the one game that i kind of will like literally i would be playing right now if i weren't talking to you mm-hmm. is uh, stray which came out today
2: oh right. yeah
1: I, I heard about that yeah it's yeah 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 the cat, you know, the cat uh, game right
0: yeah jump around with a cat you know like and a really beautiful graphic so that, that sounds really relaxing yeah one game that i'm uh playing right now with friends and that i'm excited about is uh, the quarry huh. so, so you know, uh. supermassive games uh this company in uh i want to say Brighton no guilford let's say guilford okay um they make games it's kind of a genius concept where like mm-hmm. it, they're sort of interactive movies okay. rendered in in uh real-time 3d and you can sort of affect the game mm-hmm these stories are all like uh, horror stories hmm. and often like cheesy horror stories oh, right? like uh, you know teenagers go into a house and right. have sex and die right yeah. like in gruesome ways right? right so the thing is that because you as the player can mess with the story the stories don't like they're not as dramatically satisfying as a like a really good movie, mm-hmm. but it may but it works because it's a you know it's sort of you a horror movie,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. Are you I, I don't know it? if the, yeah. the
0: the people who make it see it this way, and maybe they're super <laughs> insulted. But you know, like you know how you can watch like a, a sort of cheesy horror movie just with a bunch of friends, and then just yell, "Yeah, know, don't go there." Yeah, right, right. right. Well, now you can you can literally still go there, right? right. You know, you right. so you can have what what we do is uh, and and. You know, they've they made a bunch of games uh, and they all have like slightly different sort of co-op modes. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. But basically, like they often have some kind of mode where there's like multiple characters and each person controls a character and then just the story switches from one to the other, right? Okay. Um, so, you know, you, you can, like, one person is controlling a character and then the other people are, like, snarking and commenting. Yeah, and, like, yeah. You know, oh, do go there. You yeah, know, right. th- that's probably where, you know, the the serial killer is right. or whatever it is.
1: It's right? in the basement, yeah. right?
0: Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then, you're, like, uh, you know, like, you know, I, I distinctly remember playing Resident Evil 2 on the PS1? Uh, PS2? Well, the original Resident Evil
2: Yeah, 2, yeah, the first, yeah. The first PS1. Yeah.
0: yeah. And at some point in the game, the, the, they go like, oh, well, the way to find you know, whatever it is, the key is in the basement and you have to walk past the, the, the morgue and i like, Hell no, I'm not doing that. You know, just putting away the control and never played it again. Like right. I am not going near that morgue in this game, right? right. And it, but in 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 the supermassive games, you know, it's like yeah, you know, like yeah, I will take my annoying teenager to right, you know, to the morgue or whatever, right? right. You know, and uh, yeah, you know, it's it's uh, it's well done, and uh, huh. they they found a really really interesting niche that works well for them. Mm-hmm. Every every game, their their tech, you know, like they invest a lot in rendering tech. Uh, hmm. Every game, every time the game, you know. Every, that gets better and yeah, yeah you know the quarry uh, and they've got a new one coming out this fall
1: hmm. so yeah it's funny you say Resident Evil I remember the that first one right like in the beginning and then mm-hmm. the zombies got its back to you right and it turns and looks at you and and just that that face it was just like shocking yeah. you know at the time yeah, right? Yeah. it was PS1 and it was like wow yeah.
0: like yeah yeah no, they did they did really clever things with like you know really annoying controls
1: right yeah controls were really annoying.
0: fixed camera angle so that you're
1: you know you can't you you, yeah. want, you
0: want to see what's happening down the corridor, but you can't, but you hear some shuffling or you just hear like some drops coming from the ceiling, right? Yeah. You know, and they just, you know, they're really good at, uh, you know,
1: yeah, creating that emotion. tension, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: My favorite in Resident Evil 2 thing was, you know, because PS1, right, they can only load so much into the memory, so you mm-hmm. have like a sort of static scene that you walk around in, and then you go to a door, and then you get a little 3D animation of the door coming towards you and opening, and then yeah. you know, that's hides the loading screen, right? right. And then they load the next scene. So you play that for a while, and then at some point, you get to a door, you open it, you get a little free animation, the door opens, and zombies come out. <laughs> and you're like, wait, this is a loading screen. And then you're back in the room, you were, and there were zombies right in front of you, right? <laughs> right. So it's just it's a great little gag, you know? Right. Yeah. You're like, oh, you thought it was a loading screen? You could not pay attention. Uh-huh. Right, right.
1: Don't take a sip of that <laughs> beer. This is coming at you now. Like, Shit. Yep. <laughs> I
0: wasn't... Dope. No. Spit thing. Right, yep. yeah.
1: <laughs> Where can people find you online? Like, website twitter uh blogs. mostly
0: active on twitter mm-hmm. uh my twitter handle is yuri horneman i have a website it's linked from my twitter bios so it's probably easiest to go there yeah i have been in the process of revamping my blog
2: mm-hmm. uh
0: and actually write something for it again because i haven't written a lot in the last five years okay but, you know
1: just last question is there one piece of advice you'd give others working in the game industry right now
0: i said earlier i was gonna regret saying <laughs> thing. Now, so. um Try to get enjoyment out of the actual thing you're doing and not just the end result. Mm-hmm. Um, because that will save you a lot of literal heartache, you know, because a lot of tr- stress and burnout comes out of, like, you know, you're doing something hard and then right. the game doesn't come out or it gets canceled or it's worse or, than or not.
1: It doesn't sell or, right. yeah.
0: Yeah, it doesn't sell. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So, you know, that's an important one. Mm. And, and just while I'm thinking of it, like, yeah, Blue bite By- incubation time is running out, right? That was based on the Battle Isle series. Battle Isle was huge. In- yeah in germany and europe yeah so we did in the states worked really hard in that game it came out and it won awards like you know i I think it beat out Mm -hmm. xcom Mm -hmm. and so you're like yeah 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 and it it sold terrible right because it just wasn't the year for turn-based strategy games so yeah if you're only vested in that one portion of it like i want to work on a you know multi-million selling pc game then then you feel crushed but uh, it was the process, and it was interesting, and the people I met along the way, including yourself and Mark and yeah. other people. You know, that's this is the journey, right? It's not the yeah. The,
0: end. the thing with incubation is this is Wolfgang told me this. He he mentioned that one of the very early employees at Bell is a massive incubation.
2: <laughs> uh,
0: I don't want to yeah. mention his name because like okay. you know it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. But 2012 or so, I applied for a job at Bell. Mm-hmm. My phone interview was, was and I, I made sure that, that like my tiny, the tiny thing you know that I did in incubation was, you know, bolded on my resume <laughs> and I got an interview with this guy and I got pretty, you know, in the end, they didn't hire me.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, but yeah, there, there are people out yeah. there who really love that game and, you know, yeah. that, that uh, and I, <laughs> and I met him and he interviewed me for a job. Yeah. Um, and cool. actually, so this is another thing that that's important, That I think, you know, piece of advice i'm sure you you have no, noticed this like mm-hmm. the people who were like hot shit like 30 years ago right nobody knows, remembers them today <laughs> right, right. right well for better or worse right it, like obviously you know in some ways it's worse right but yeah it's like things change all the time mm-hmm. in games and they will keep changing right the other thing is that a game or a project might sound amazing um in theory or a company might sound amazing in theory or a person might sound amazing in theory mm-hmm. and then it can end up being just like terrible right right like like if you just actually work there right mm-hmm. and that's you know partially like sad right and and it's also like you know you you have to start asking, yeah. asking yourself the really difficult question like so yeah. if all these games are made by we never talked about language on this podcast but like right. you know assholes or right Idiots, right?
2: Yeah.
0: Uh you know, If a lot of these games are made, you know, under terrible circumstances by terrible people, does that mean you have to be terrible to make a good game, right?
2: Ah, um, right. Yeah, I,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: you know, like yeah, I know what you're saying. And I
0: would still say the answer is is no, right? Mm-hmm. Uh you can make great games with you know by just being a nice person, but also like right. in, like in the long run for your career and you know the, the impact you have on other people's lives, it's better to be, you know, uh a nice person and try to make a game in a in a sane way. Right. Uh there are people uh who disagree with that but i try not to work with those people Mm. um but yeah you know like i've worked for uh yeah yeah i've worked at well-known companies and uh gotten burnout right and Mm -hmm. i've worked on amazing titles with amazing people attached to it and i know other people who have right and and Mm -hmm. it was like a terrible experience right yeah and then you work with someone who nobody knows but it's it's great and you know you learn a lot right and yeah yeah this is of course easy for me to say because like i now have a resume where you know Mm. it's a little bit easier for me to get into the door uh, right. it's actually not like necessarily trivial right I, i've definitely had this thing where like oh i worked a lot in unity so now c++ people don't look at my resume and now i've worked uh, a lot in c++ and now unity right. people don't you know yeah or i've worked in design and now uh, i have trouble getting people to take me serious as a programmer and
2: you mm-hmm. know,
0: probably vice versa one day right yeah you know or like oh i'm old you know that that can be like, are my skills up to date, you know? Right, yeah, uh, yeah ageism, you know,
2: stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. like,
0: uh, did the thing last thing I worked on sell enough, right?
2: Mm-hmm. I don't
0: know. It's still, like, easier, right? But right. the thing is, so what I'm trying to say, like, I, I know that it's going to be a little bit easier for me to go, like, don't focus so much on whether a title is, like, well-known, mm-hmm. right? But I still want to say that, like, you know, like, you can learn a lot from smaller games, right. uh, smaller companies. I do recommend like there there is something that I, I saw in my time at Ubisoft where like mm. there is a sort of AAA mindset that you develop and you can sort of tell when people don't have it yet right and yeah. uh, and and, it, and it's a lot about uh teamwork and and working on big productions you know there's something special about that and of course you know shipping right, right. uh so those are important experiences mm. it definitely helps to have like a big title on your resume right but it's not as you know in the long run it doesn't matter that much
2: mm-hmm. right yeah
0: because you know like I, I i was like i was a producer at the rockstar games you know like in 2004 mm. and i was like you know the 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 acme of my career right is like right, you know like i could just draw a straight line for where i'd started and go like do this and there's this change change position blah, blah, blah all the way up i'm a producer of rockstar games right yeah woohoo and then i wasn't a producer of rockstar games because actually um i stopped being a producer because i uh, it was too stressful right for for various reasons, right, yeah. partially up to how I saw the job and mm-hmm. partially what the job was really like and isn't that right mm-hmm. and i I went from producer to level designer on the same title, right, which is like the probably the weirdest career move that I've ever <laughs> made uh, but it worked really well, and I learned a lot about level design, it's great, yeah, um, and you know, you know, and then you know I started doing different things right mm. different... that all worked out like I don't think that you know permanently damaged my career right like, you know uh you know i'm I've done a ton of things since then that i'm proud of and yeah mm-hmm. you know and now i'm more like programming and having a lot of success there
1: right yeah so try so, different things and yeah yeah
0: you know and if something goes wrong you know just learn from it right. uh I, I i like i said I, I think it was that experience in 2004 where i had sort of let go of the idea of like careers as a straight line
2: mm-hmm. right
0: and my career has definitely been the squiggly line um but i've yeah. been successful in many different roles you know and mm-hmm. Um, I've worked on games people have heard of, not but not that many, right? Like most of the stuff I've worked on, people look, like I haven't heard of it or yeah. you know, it's not generally well known, right? Yeah. But for instance, you know, like the fact that I worked on uh, Sunset, you know, this tiny indie game it was it was great. It was a great experience.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, it, yeah. It, I think you know, just think of it as a a marathon and not a sprint. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, play the long game. And yeah, when, when you need to pivot, and then do something different don't be afraid mm-hmm. to do it right because yeah. it's not career-ending to try something different and, and fail it's career-ending to do something really moronic or stupid um <laughs> but yeah. that's well different. for yeah for certain well, you'd people you'd
0: hope so right. in yeah some you, you would hope right yeah
1: <laughs> it depends <laughs> But you if, know if, yeah, if yeah, the yeah, game yeah. sell millions of units but no yeah yeah i'm just being sarcastic
0: well yeah, yeah no that, no yeah <laughs> that also does happen yeah. right right <laughs> um but you know, that's a different story and, and
1: well, cool. Thanks for catching up tonight. I, I really enjoyed this. It's yeah, It's been too many decades great. since we've caught yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. It's been way too long. Thanks for listening to this episode of Game Dev Advice, the Game Developers Podcast. Go to the website at gamedevadvice.com, and you can find the show notes along with show notes for all the other episodes. Please also check out the new Patreon page at patreon.com backslash game dev advice. Have a lot of options up there for how you can support the show. Again, that's patreon.com backslash gamedevadvice. Thanks again for listening and being part of the show. Take care. Bye-bye.